Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 96, Thursday, October 15th, 2020, and welcome back. To all of you awesome listeners out there, I've got a very fun episode in store for all of you, and a packed one at that. I'll start out by quickly touching on a debate that has been raging throughout sports betting Twitter throughout the week, and really for the past several months as legalized regulated sports betting continues to take shape around the United States. And I also have some thoughts on the towed industry in general that I'd like to share. And then this morning, Thursday morning, I sat down with Joe Rogers, my co-worker over at USA Sports Gaming, who has been a guest here on the pod multiple times over the last year. Uh, we caught up and I heard his thoughts on the early days of Illinois regulated sports betting and what things are like here in the land of Lincoln. And he also has some very interesting stuff to share about early week line moves that I think will really benefit any of you listeners out there here in the Chicagoland area, but really anywhere you can bet. And he also has some picks for you, which all of which I happen to agree with him on. And then I'll quickly dive into some college football and NFL and offer the official Doggy Juice Pod plays for the weekend card. And then we've got our pizza bet challenge to settle between the Danimal and the Sage, a.k.a. Better Call Paul. In case you're a new listener or if you didn't listen to last week's episode, podcast regular The Danimal, who lives out here in Chicago, was challenged by last week's guest, The Sage, to an NFL Picks Challenge where the loser has to buy the other guy a pizza from a local pizza joint. They each had to pick one NFL side total and a 6.2 team teaser for this week's Week 6 card. We decided to use DraftKings Sportsbook as the site where we would take our odds from, and I sat down with each of those guys this morning and got their, their picks Thursday morning, so I will share those with you guys when we get to the NFL towards the end of the pod. And in terms of the official podcast plays last week, our biggest college football play of the week, Kentucky rolled over Mississippi State 24-2 on Saturday night, cashing our money line and our minus two and a half tickets. That line moved up to three, three and a half at kickoff, but minus three was there throughout the day for you to take advantage of. Hopefully you did. Texas A&M won outright at home, catching the points against Florida, cashing our underdog spread of money line tickets. And the NFL, we nailed the sides with the official Doggy Juice Pod plays on the Browns, who won outright at home against the Colts, and the Raiders, who won outright on the road at Kansas City, catching double digits. But the totals were brutal for us on the pod. The Steelers total, the the Browns total, the Monday Night Football total, those did not come through. At least the Jets, Cardinals under did, but it was not that good for totals at all, to say the least, uh, on the pod last week, the official pod unders that I was on. Teasers, though, were absolutely fantastic in the NFL last week. So many sides fit the good old Stanford Wong teaser model of crossing through the key numbers of three and seven last week, and seven of the eight that I mentioned on the podcast last last week's episode came through for us. The Saints on Monday Night Football were incredibly fortunate to get there with with Anthony Lynn being Anthony Lynn and the Chargers missing that 50-yard field goal to win it in regulation. But if you keyed in all of those teams on teasers last week, those seven of those eight that came through and fit the model, you came out way on top. So we've got... This week's official Doggy Juice picks, uh, Doggy Juice podcast picks later on the pod, so be sure to stick around for those. But in the meantime, let's get rolling. Yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah.
Attention, Illinois sports bettors. Another in-person registration deadline is approaching this weekend. It remains to be seen if Governor J.B. Pritzker will extend his executive order lifting the in-person registration requirement here in the land of Lincoln. So it's possible you may only have until Saturday to register for mobile sports betting here. If you still need to register online on any apps, I would make it a point to do so before the weekend. We've been covering this issue extensively on the Doggy Juice Pod for months. And last month, I let you go. You all know that that the deadline was, would potentially be up here on October 17th or this, this weekend. So something to pay attention to. And as always, tune into new episodes for updates and follow Doggy Juice on Twitter for any additional updates that I'll try to retweet and pass along here. But it's something to pay attention to. It's no guarantee what's going to happen. Obviously, it's the Wild West out here. It's all brand new. But as we know, the Illinois law, the way it's written, calls for a year and a half from the date the first master sports wagering license is issued. And that happened to be June 11th this year, I believe was the day. So basically, we're looking at, by law, next December being the date when you no longer have to register in person to bet um, for these apps, to bet on, on, on the mobile app or online remotely. But obviously, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, things have changed around a bit. Pritzker lifted that requirement to register in person. It came away for a bit to a lot of controversy a few months ago, and then he, he brought it back in, obviously. And now that's that's something to pay attention to, whether or not he's going to extend it uh, moving forward. But the cat's out of the bag now with the remote registration. I think um, some people have said, use that term, because Rivers, they're, basically their worst fears were realized that FanDuel DraftKings were able to to go live and, and, and register people remotely. But Rivers did get a head start, but the cat is out of the bag now, so that advantage that really the law was put in place to to prevent in the first place, which is FanDuel and DraftKings getting a head start with all their fan fantasy daily fantasy sports customers already in place, that's kind of done with now that they've been able to register people remotely. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but the fact of the matter is Illinois is going to be one of the monster markets for sports betting, and September numbers are going to look insane when those come out in a few weeks, and those are only with five operators. So think about what it's going to be like in a few years from now when even more operators are out there and, and there's even more uh, people betting. So it's going to be something to watch for sure, but things here in Illinois are, are interesting to say the least. So I teased it last week. This week I want to talk about touts, but also the way sports betting is being covered by the media right now. I've long said this on the Doggy Juice Pod, but sports handicapping is part science and it's part art. There's simply no one foolproof way to go about it. I happen to believe that we can find truth through data and analytics that we can't find via the eye test, so to speak. So I've always skewed on the side of trusting the numbers objectively while trying to limit my own subjectivity as much as I can. But every game and every sport, every situation is different. And I truly believe, and I've said this and I've learned this, knowing the teams and even the numbers, even originating your own numbers, does not automatically equate to successful long-term sports betting. You also have to be good at reading the market and understanding the market numbers, the market moves, the value of each point, and so on. And I think you cannot win long-term in sports betting without the latter, the market aspect. You can win without knowing the teams and the players at all but understanding the market, but you cannot win the other way around if you don't understand the market. That's an important thing to understand in general with sports betting. Now, any sharp better who does this professionally and seriously 
understands that the biggest challenge you are going to face isn't picking winners or sweating games or any of that bullshit. It's getting down. It's being able to actually get your money down on a game. Once you've proven yourself to be a winner or any semblance of a winner, many books will show you the door, either by outright banning you or severely limiting you. You know, you're trying to get a $1,000 bet in or $500 bet in, what have you, whatever, and you're being limited to $12 on a wager. Um, this has happened to me. I've been, I've been limited. It's, it's happened to many people that I know. That's the reality. So lately, we've been seeing media coverage on some of these big money bets, namely in the NFL. It's being covered ad nauseum across the sports betting media verse, a lot of it by journalists who don't understand the damn industry they're covering. I'm not going to name any names here, but we've seen all these massive wagers lately being reported, you know, being taken by DraftKings. And really, in reality, we hadn't seen a $1 million plus wager on an NFL regular season game for decades. It was just never a thing that we saw. And now we're getting multiple every single week and we're reading all about it. And then just earlier, or just last week, we saw that $3 million parlay that caught the attention of everyone last week. I touched on it briefly on the podcast. And these are all from VIP high rollers, not to be confused with professional bettors. No book out there is going to take this much money from a respected player in the NFL on an NFL regular season game. And of course, this is newsworthy to some, these big bets, but the issue is, is it really? And I'm of the belief that more and more, the more and more this is covered, I think people might be desensitized a bit to all of these big million dollar plus bets if they just keep getting covered. It's a natural process for people to be interested in that right now, especially new people to this to the space. But but is it really going to be that newsworthy if it's covered on a week by week basis? But this whole issue is frustrating a lot of people who can't even get down more than twenty dollars. People who are seriously involved in the industry who do this who bet seriously, and in some in some cases, it's their living we're talking about. They're, they're, they bet for a living. And when they can't get down more than $20 on a first-to-score prop at some of these same books, at, at, at these exact same books that are you know, giving million-dollar-plus wagers to, to bettors who you know are not a winning better if they're taking those wagers. And many sharps out there uh, think that journalists are, are doing a disservice to the entire industry by covering these big bets. And I see their point. But on the flip side, you have you have journalists out there whose job it is to cover things that gets them the most eyeballs, the most clicks. That's their job. And some very good, knowledgeable, and talented journalists out there, like David Purdom at ESPN, uh, to name one name, he is guys like him. They're doing a, their very best to report this stuff in a responsible way. While others, I'm not going to name names here, they're sensationalizing betting in a way that is going to clean out your clock if you're if you're following what they're doing like betting on 18 parlays where the book's whole percentage is over 40%, for example. So the real rub here, though, is with the affiliate marketing. And when you have a big company out there writing headlines about these big, massive parlay hits, and then you click on their website, and there's affiliate links to all of the sports books where you can get down, it gives off the appearance, at least to those who have a trained eye and understand the industry, that these affiliate sites are helping drive irresponsible gambling and, frankly, problem gambling, quite literally, by giving you the headline and then giving you the affiliate link to go sign up and bet on these legal, regulated books. It's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way, and I see completely where they're coming from. But the point is, this is all brand new. It's a blank slate, a tabula rasa, if you will, so to speak. And there's no precedent for this stuff here in the United States, so these are incredibly important times right now to 
get things going in the right direction. So I, I see both sides here, and it's an interesting thing to consider moving forward. You, you know, on one hand, you see the journalists covering the stuff because it's newsworthy. People are, are engaging with it um, on social media, and, and people are enjoying these articles. But is it really serving to, to, to form an industry that is suboptimal? suboptimal for everybody, recreational betters and professional betters, because people think, you know, Joe Schmo on the street, you know, he sees a million dollar bet. He thinks maybe, oh, this could be sharp money or that's, he sees this 18 parlay that cashed for, you know, $300,000 when in reality, that's just not a way to win in the long term and you will not win doing that in the long term. So it's an interesting thing to debate and, and think about, but there's also the tout industry and I'm going to be quick on this, but uh, more and more touts are coming out of the woodwork, and that's a natural process right now as legalized sports betting expands. Now, I know I know within five seconds of talking to someone whether or not they're a sharp better or not, and it, it, the tells are easy for me, but I know that not all of you can say that, especially people that are just starting to bet right now and are interested in learning more but don't know as much right now. The fact of the matter is sports betting is already hard enough to beat long-term laying minus 110. You need to hit 52.4%, 52.38% exactly to break even. And that's a lot harder than, than you think. And you further stack the deck against yourself in a big way if you're paying even more VIG in the form of paying someone else for their picks. So the simple short answer for touts and, and paying for picks is don't do it. But I'll leave you with this to consider as well. If someone is trying to get you to pay them for picks then you really should be asking yourself why they would need money from someone else for their picks. If you do want to follow someone, the biggest piece of advice I can give you early on to judge them whether or not they're worth uh, worth even paying attention to at all is watch their closing line value on their bets. If they're giving you out you know, a team at minus three when that team was minus one all week and it's closing you know, at the same number, even worse off, you're probably not looking at the right guy. But if you're giving someone who's getting ahead of the number and giving you a number that's good and then the line moves in their favor, more likely than not, that's that's a good sign. But really, you shouldn't be doing this stuff anyway. And, and the truth of the matter is that this is an ego-driven industry. Things can get messy when egos get in the way on top of the money itself, obviously, involved and all of the slimy touting that we see going on out there. I do have a lot more to say on this subject, but this is already going to be a long podcast. And I know last week I promised I'd try to keep this one even shorter. So we will continue this discussion on touts and the way the industry is covered journalistically in the next several episodes. It's really a subject I want to dive into even more. And I'm very curious to hear what you, the listener, uh, what your thoughts are on this. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out to me privately to let me know how you feel, regardless of how much you bet or how long you've been betting or how well you think you know the sports betting industry because it's a very complicated subject where there's no perfect black and white answer. The PGA Tour is implementing MGM live odds during its broadcast at the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek this weekend in in, uh, Nevada. Leaderboards um, are going to be integrated and, and current odds to win, along with head-to-head matchups and other cool stuff like wire-to-wire and, and holes-in-one. Those are going to be up there, I think, a couple times every half hour or something like that by contract or a couple times an hour, which is very, very fascinating. I'm, I'm a little worried that you know maybe they'll make it too complicated for people early on. I know Gil Alexander on his VEASAN show, A Numbers Game, has he's been saying this for a long time, and I totally believe it, that the sport that is most ripe 
for a betting a sports betting revolution is golf. And if this is if this announcement with with MGM partnering with the PGA Tour is not a seminal event to prove that notion, I don't know what is. So it's really something fun and exciting and a really fun development for golf betting. And then quickly, updated presidential odds, just because I'm touching on it every week. Biden is now consensus minus 200 in the market. Trump about plus 180 consensus on the take back. Biden continues to climb in the markets. Obviously, this is not a comment at all. Uh, it's not a political podcast at all. We're simply just looking at the markets objectively. But uh, for a more detailed look at those recent market moves in the U.S. election odds, check out the past couple of Doggy Juice Pod episodes. All right, without further ado, it's time to cut to my interview from Thursday today with Joe Rogers. Here it is. It has been a minute since you've all heard the voice of Joe Rogers, my co-worker over at USA Sports Gaming, and in my opinion, one of the very best follows on Twitter for relevant and actionable sports betting information. How's it going, Joe? It's going well, going well. Just been watching the market move this morning. I know. It's like we were talking before we started recording here about some of the stuff that you're noticing happening out there, and uh, we're going to talk about that here, some of those early week line moves, and I know you got some some plays for us that you're looking at on the board on college football in the NFL this week, and I know that I'm aligned with you in all these plays, so uh, it'll be fun to talk about those. But really quickly, just talking about about – Bad beats. I think that um, a life bad beat. I mean, we've all had the ultimate life bad beat this year with with the COVID nineteen pandemic. But man, you really you really got hit pretty hard because you moved to Chicago in January, and you know you knew when you did that that you'd be catching the worst winter months in yeah. Chicago. You know, January February, <laughs> and so you know you're prepared for a couple months of cold weather and stuff. But then you know you're going to enjoy your first ever. Chicago summer as a Chicago resident, you live, you know, not far from me here, not far from Wrigley Fields. So you're close yep. to the lake. I mean, that's just the most brutal thing ever that this stuff happened right when you moved here. How have the, how have you been handling all this over the past several months? Yeah, it was really frustrating just to, you know, get here. It, it gets dark at four thirty local time, <laughs> which is uh, depressing, but uh, yeah. And the spring rolls around and then COVID and, you know, we live close enough to Wrigley. I, I, I'm not sure how close you guys are, but you can hear the the national anthem. You know, now <laughs> batting uh, Anthony Rizzo. You know that type of thing. So that's been really cool. You know, even though we're, and I mean, we could just walk outside the stadium. I've done that a few times um, for the playoff games, especially. So that's been, you know, you still have a little bit of. Uh, uh, access to to see those games, or not see them, I guess, but be around the atmosphere mm-hmm. of them. So that's been that's been cool. You know, everybody finds a way to uh, to deal with this in their own way. So like, I've taken up running, if you can believe that. Run to the lake, um, which is about a mile and a half from my house, from my apartment. So that's been. That's been one way to uh, still get out and about. Nice. Yeah, good way to um, see the city, too, honestly. Yeah. Just yeah. Run around. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's it's been tough, man. I mean, especially, like, I mean, you're living in, like, such a vibrant area and stuff. There's just, you know, like, that's the thing. Besides, like, going out to the bars, I miss just, like, going to restaurants and dining the most. I think those are the two things that I've been 
missing the mm-hmm. most throughout all of this, just being able to enjoy it. And you're like right in the thick of it too. But those days will come. I mean, obviously when this eventually, and maybe we won't get back to the normal that we were used to before, but eventually, you know, things will open back up, you know, God willing earlier than, than we think, but, but, um, but you'll be able to take advantage of, of all that eventually. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's fun that you're here, man. Yep. <laughs> it just sucks that you can't. Yep. We'll get to go to uh, sports books. Sounds yeah. like, well, I mean, they're building the drafting sports book, right? In the yeah. the Gallagher uh, place of Wrigley, I think so. Gallagher way. Yeah. 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 That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It's going to be really cool. And like the, the early days, that's a perfect transition actually, because it's the early days of the Illinois sports betting market. And yeah, I mean, we, we both know this. I mean, the, the next few years are going to be really exciting, especially we're going to be really excited to hear the September handle numbers when those are yeah. released uh, in a few weeks. And people realize that, Oh my God, Holy shit. Chicago is, is a boom for sports betting. We're going to see sports books and, and all the stadiums within the next few years. And it's going to be mm-hmm. more, but I mean, you see points bet ads everywhere out, up and down Clark street right now. It's, it's really here. So um, I'm curious to hear your, your early thoughts, though, just generally on the Illinois legal regulated sports betting market. And I know that you have some you've been all over this and stuff, but but early week line moves, as we know, you know, as as serious betters, all the, especially in the NFL, but also for college and you know, pretty mm-hmm. much any sport. you got to be early. The early bird gets the worm and early in the week when you get down, you can find yourself with a lot of closing line value. And that means, as we, as we know a lot, especially in football and in the NFL too, when when the lines are tighter and, and, and sharper and yeah. and and more liquid. So, or sorry, the the more people betting into the numbers. So, so yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Like the early, you've been all over some of these early line moves, but there's one book or one uh, a couple books in particular that are, are a little bit slower to move than than the others. Yeah, it's it's. I will say it's good to have more operators come into the market so we get more diversity in the lines. You know, I've heard or seen people on Twitter be like, "Oh, thank God, uh, uh, DraftKings is online, so I don't have to deal with these Rivers lines anymore." <laughs> like, people don't know that for Illinois or for really for any legal state that Rivers, DraftKings, uh, Hollywood Casino, um, Argosy, that's in. Illinois. Those yeah. are run by those are run by the same risk management team. Those run by Canby, and so Canby, it they're you know they're notoriously slow. I was going to say the Hollywood the Hollywood skins belong to Penn, which is Barstool now. Mm-hmm. So outside of some you know promotions that you get from Big Cat or Portnoy, you know you're really getting nothing new with these lines. You're still getting the same slowness mm-hmm. to which the, from like which they copy and move with the market which, like you said, creates great, great opportunities to pick off still numbers or middle games. I mean, sometimes can be they'll copy from just one book. And I'm not talking about Chris Penny, Bet Online. It's another book whose liquidity isn't great. They'll post that line. It's, I've seen it for uh, FBS, FCS games. They'll post mm-hmm. it on Sunday night, let it sit. And then, you know, these books that know what they're doing will post a total that's four points lower and it won't move. And it'll take Camby a good 30 minutes to an hour. There's a game right now uh, that we were talking about. Both of us like Mississippi State this week at plus seven. And looking at the market right now, Pinnacle moved from six and a half to five 
at 9.30. It's 11 o'clock right now. And DraftKings is still at 6.5. Yeah, I've seen 6.5. And, and be still you, at 6.5. You so, get 7 at uh, minus 122 on DraftKings right now, the 7, which, you know. So obviously, obviously, I mean, anyone that doesn't use models or power rankings, I encourage you to do that, obviously. But picking off steel numbers is a great source of edge, and there's minimal math involved. It is it is time consuming. Um, there's people called screen cleaner that they don't know crap about sports, and they make a living laying six and a half and taking eight in the NFL. Right. And honestly, honestly, there's some games I'll bet blind. I don't know anything about the game, but if the market's settled and Camby's three points or more, I've seen him five points off of the total. I'll bet it. I'll pick it off. Just because more often than not, I mean, you just trust the efficiency of the market in general. And especially right now, there's just so many more people betting into these markets. So they're just being – it's tough for the, the sharper bettors and the guys who do this seriously because it's that much harder to win. But it, it really rewards those even more who get after it early and who can take advantage of these moves because I want to be uh, with three points of CLV in any game, especially in games that, that are – They've been sharpened out by a lot of money throughout the week, you know, towards the end of the week. If you're sitting with three points of CLV in, in college football, it's an amazing, but NFL, it's a whole, yeah. you know, that's, it's even more of a big yeah. deal. So, no, that's a good point. I'm even seeing, I mean, we know that's going to move. You were, you were mentioning that Mississippi state line. It's Thursday mm-hmm. morning right now here in, in Chicago. And, and that's six and a half. It will move. And it's five and a half consensus elsewhere right now. So it's people who are getting in on it now are, are going to be in a good position. Who knows? It could move back up. I mean, we've seen that. Usually, I, th- I think that's another thing that I've noticed over the years is you see these early line moves. Sometimes they'll tick back a lot of the time. Either it's the same sharp groups taken back at a different price, Some, or, you know, trying to middle a game. Sometimes it's a head fake, you know, and they're just trying to, to, mm-hmm. to fake out the market, the old Billy Walters move. But sure. a lot of the times, it's just a lot of public money, too, coming in to – to move it back a little bit the other way. So that's uh, just something to always keep in mind. We saw that play out last week. We see certain games. I think Kansas State was a good one, although that was, a lot of that was mm-hmm. news-related. But, um, yeah, you, so you've been following a lot of this stuff. I, I love those <laughs> those Tuesday texts I'm getting from you on Monday. Yeah, and, yeah and, I was going to uh, say, like, obviously these moves can happen at any time. And like you said, you have to be careful with head fakes. But what I found for the best times to bet college football Early in the week, Sunday night, of course, with the initial moves. So Monday afternoon is when penny totals come out, and then Tuesday, Westgate and other, you know, books start posting their lines. And as those, you know, as those markets, as those books and the market start to take shape, really Tuesday morning, Monday afternoon, I think is mm-hmm. when there's still not uh everybody's not really aligned yet but Mm -hmm. you know if you just just for your for your listeners just if you have the time just sit in front of your odd screen for a week i know that sounds time consuming but i think you'll really learn as the market starts to take shape you can start to notice patterns where they originate from adjust versus where they close i think a lot of you know that you know the offshores really are in control of the market. You know, they move, everybody else moves, but you can really start to notice to notice patterns and who moves, who doesn't. Points bet is, you know, 
very, very quick to move. They deserve a lot of uh, credit in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, always quick to move. FanDuel's a little bit slower. DraftKings uh, can be is, you know, I'm very slow. slow. <laughs> Just hours slow. slow. Yeah. Um, but the more the more outs that you have, then you can really notice that um, notice those patterns. That's that's a great point. That's fantastic advice. I think that's that's something that early betters early on can learn to do and and really realize and just hammer home that that this is so much of this is market based and you're trying to win in sports betting. And I touched on this at the, at the top of the podcast of this episode, but it's it's really you could be a good handicapper and know the sport, know the team, like the back of your hand, but mm-hmm. that's just one part of it. Understanding the market aspect. I always say that like you can be a winning sports better. Um, by by knowing the teams like the back of your hand and, and being an originator with your lines, but yep. you can't be a winning sports better if you're good, if you're not good with the markets. You know, it's you have to you have to be the one. You could be a good sports better with the markets and not know the teams as well. Uh, to your point before about you know some people just scraping numbers and obviously that's looked down upon and it's it's a whole other <laughs> story itself. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's so let's move on to uh, this actionable place for this weekend. I, I know you have a. Uh, one or two in, in college in the NFL for us. And I, I know I'm aligned with you on these, but, uh, but I know that the college play you have actually is tying into what we're talking about, because I know you were on Mississippi state plus seven as, as was I from the start of the week. Uh, but what do you got for us? Yeah, I was, I was going to give you uh, one pick a middle that I did that kind of ties into can be being slow. So I did this last week and actually the week before with uh, last week with the Ole Miss Arkansas or the Ole Miss Alabama total, and then the week before with uh, another spread. But you know, middling the games, if you can get four, three and a half points worth of middle, especially around the key numbers, you know, those those are great. Mm-hmm. You know, the last two didn't work out for me, but the you know the push the push rates, the push probabilities. So for one of those for me is North Carolina minus 10 and a half that I bet on Monday and Florida state plus 14 and a half at minus 115 yesterday with FanDuel. So that gives you four point middle right around, you know, you get 13, 14, 11 in college is a nice number. Um, Mm -hmm. I make it 12 on a neutral. So I'm liking where I'm set up with that. But, you know, I think the Knowles, still have uh, somewhat of a home field on a Saturday night, despite being, you know, a perceived dumpster fire. But, you know, North North Carolina's got a rivalry game with North Carolina State on deck. You know, I think they're fat and happy, number five in the nation. Right now their offense is booming, no doubt about it. But their defense is really, you know, really poor in creating havoc, which is an important set in college football. Just one turnover force this season. Uh, just know that Florida State's top receiver is out for this game, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to be able to move the ball in this game, and I think it'll be a, a fun game if you like offense. Yeah, and catching two touchdowns, plus, you know, with, with Florida State—that's that's the way I lean too. I, um, but yeah, for in your in your example there, when you got ten and a half, and then you got north of two touchdowns, you know, on the other side, it's it's a great spot to be in because there's just so many middle numbers and stuff. When you look to it's more like a philosophical question, and I, I know there's no like simple right or wrong answer to this. But when you're looking to play back, when you have those early uh, positions like a like a 
Alabama Ole Miss total you got on early last week before the line move. When you're mm-hmm. looking to play back, do you, you know, for a middle, are you looking to play back a certain percentage every time or, or the full amount? Or and I, I, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on, on middling and how much exposure, because that, that's always the issue is, is you're giving away obviously equity and, and CLV by playing back on the market price on a middle. Uh, I probably don't do enough uh, of the textbook, I guess, uh, unit percentages I should. I think I usually go, you know, if, if I think the market's going to move based on, you know, what my number is or, you know, more mainstream power rankings, I usually go half unit and mm-hmm. then buy back with uh, another half. So, yeah, no, there's, yeah, there's no, it's an art, not just a science as well. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But sometimes, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I, I like, you know, I, my numbers are good, but also, you know, there's, Every every set of power rankings, every model has their limitations, right? So mm-hmm. I obviously look at S and P plus. I look at um, Sagarin. There's other others that I see. You know, are, are my mark are my numbers like close to theirs? They put mm-hmm. a lot more, you know, math and statistics in into their model that I do, mm-hmm. and um, you know, am I close to their number? Am I going to, you know, is my number a touchdown more than what the spread is? Yeah. And I'll take a closer look and, you know. Oh, it's always good to cross-reference. away a little bit, so. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good to cross-reference the numbers of the, the other respectable, you know, available numbers that are out there. I, I always like doing that, especially when you're like way off, like a touchdown, like you said. But also, you know, it just comes down a lot of that answer too. I think comes down to the confidence in your number to begin with. And, and in a year like COVID this year, where so much more uncertainty, which which does open up more opportunity. But but I think like that's a good example this year with with COVID, just not maybe having as much confidence in your numbers as. At least that's the way I feel uh, sometimes, and so it's easier to second guess yourself. But um, yeah, let's, what about NFL? I know that you have uh, you have two for us, right? And I know I agree with you on both of these. Yes, these are two home dogs that are underachieving, to say the least, right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first, the first one is Cowboys plus two and a half. I I think it's down to two. I'm seeing one and a half now. One and a half. Yeah. You know, I agree. I agree with the move. Obviously. I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if the Lions, or the, sorry, the, the Cowboys, not to interrupt you, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one's a pick or even Cowboys favorite by Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. So I got half unit on Cowboys, two and a half, and half on money line. So obviously the big story here is Dak's injury, Cowboys, terrible defense. I am not going to bet them, you know, laying points. But anytime they're getting points, I think that they're always going to be in it because they're, you know, they're amazing dynamic offense that they have. Even just mm-hmm. even despite their offensive line injuries, I still think that they're they're a great offense. And so everybody's like, "Oh no, you're going to bet on Andy Dalton." Look, I have the I have the drop off from Prescott to Dalton worth two and a half points. The look ahead mm-hmm. on this line was Cowboys minus three. So I think they should be favorites. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think Dalton's a serviceable quarterback. He's got plenty of experience. He was nine for 11 
just over 100 yards, 108 passer rating against the Giants D that's four spots ahead of the Cardinals in total DVA, five spots ahead in passing DVOA. Cardinals are 26th overall in defensive DVOA, considering they've played the 49ers, which we'll get to later. (laughs) The football team, the Lions, the Panthers, and the Jets. Not this will be by row. far <laughs> their most dynamic passing attack they face, and they're on their third straight road game as well, which mm-hmm. is never good. A lot of East Coast um, trips, yeah, yeah. Trends for your trends people out there: Dalton's ten and four straight up, ten three one against the spread as an underdog of fewer than three points. And I also like the the fallen hero theory that teams rally around uh, when there's a big injury. Teams usually rally around. They'll play. You see the four Dak hashtag out there, mm-hmm. so I think they'll come out, play strong for Dak, uh, get the win here. To, to play devil's advocate on this, because I'm with you on this, and I also uh, was all over teasing the, the Cowboys this week, up, you know, through the three of the seven. Um, but to play devil's advocate, and I agree with everything you said there. But is there something to be said maybe for Dalton? This being his first week, at, you know practicing with the starters and you know as the number one in practice and, and going out there with this team as the starter in a game maybe a little bit of a lack of a familiarity and stuff does that worry you at all yeah I think I think there's that and I also think that you know well the Cardinals can the Cardinals can also see you know based on the tape from from their game against the Giants but you know you know how much has he changed since he moved from the Bengals to to the Cowboys? You know, is there you know is there a drastic change? You know, they their their preparation, their coaching preparation was going in based on on Dak, and now it's Andy Dalton. You know, how does that change the Cowboys' offense? Like, there's no preparation for that for for the Cardinals. They can estimate that you know, what's going to happen. They probably mm-hmm. think that they're going to get more Ezekiel Elliott, but you know, then that's going to, they crowd the box and you got three great wide receivers that the serviceable quarterback that can, you know, yeah, do, their, do, their, do their, do their due diligence with play action. And mm-hmm. so I think, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. And I think the Cowboys come out ahead. Nice. What's the and what's your other one? I know that we're in agreement on this one as well. Oh, <laughs> this is look. No one hates the 49ers more than me right now. Maybe you do, but <laughs> I used them in Survivor alt lines teasers last week against the effing Dolphins. Yep, I was and with you. 43 points allowed at home. Three turnovers, 128 passing yards. Get sacked five times. It was an embarrassment, and I'm getting angry just talking about it. But <laughs> just from a pure numbers perspective, a pure market numbers perspective, going into the look ahead, Niners are minus three for this game. Last and week, now <laughs> they're plus three and a half. That's You're wild. A six and a half point move. That's crazy, considering no new injuries. Another week for Jimmy G to get practice reps in. You know, he was coming off the high ankle, barely practiced. Looked like crap. He got benched, but now he's he's got more more practice reps in. They still have a dynamic rushing attack. 
against a Rams D that's 24th in rushing DVOA. Also expecting some tired legs from the Rams around back-to-back roadies. And they've mm-hmm. also gone. They've gone from Buffalo to L.A. To so Washington, D.C. And now to San Francisco. Yeah. So getting plus three and a hook in a, as a divisional home dog in prime time. I like it as much as it pains me. Got to take it. I think I, I agree with you. And, and there's a, a couple other reasons, I think, to like the Niners this week. Offensively, if you want them to get back on track, I mean, that the linebacking core for the Rams is not good. <laughs> it's very weak, and, and I think that the, it's perfect for the Niners to to capitalize on you know, with the passing mm-hmm. game with, with Kittle in yeah. the middle and, and all, Kittle, in the run Kittle, game. Kittle didn't do crap against the Dolphins. I think he had four receptions for 44 yards. He wants so to I, eat. I expect a bounce-back game for for them. And, you know, Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan and, and McVay, they are very familiar with each other. So I think they – more so Kyle Shanahan, I think he'll know more of McVay's, you know, tendencies. They both, I mean, they're both heavy on play action. They're both heavy on pre-snap motion and all that stuff. So I don't think there's, I think the coaching matchup's pretty even. And yeah, I like the Niners. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. All right, dude. Well, sounds great. Uh, I always like when I'm aligned with you on my plays, so it's good to hear and Really appreciate the insight, man. This is uh, this is really good, and I, hopefully all the listeners out there were able to to take some uh, some some notes on what you were saying, and, and they're able to to put to use some of your advice. Yeah, anytime. All right, man. Take care. Good luck with the action. We'll we'll for sure uh, bring you on again soon enough. I know the Doggy Juice Pod listeners missed hearing your voice, so it's good to have you back. All right. Good luck, everybody, with your plays. All right, man. Take care. All right, thank you very much, Joe. You can find him on Twitter at RogersBC. That's Rogers with a D, and BC is in Bet Chicago. All right, time to talk some college football. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. Overs were pretty much seemingly hitting across the board last week, especially in the SEC. 20 out of 27 FBS versus FBS games last weekend went over the total. It's the trend we've been seeing in the NFL and in college football this year with all these overs cashing, which makes sense due to no spring practices in college football and a strange offseason, a preseason with little to no hitting and little to no meaningful contact in practice. So, and also factor in the, the fact that it's easier to hear the quarterback in college stadiums for road teams on defense, or sorry, for road teams on offense too. So a lot of these, I think, all factor together here. But it's also early on, and, and we're also seeing that pendulum start to shift in the NFL, which I'll, get, I'll uh, get to later. But COVID continues to impact college football, obviously. LSU Florida was officially canceled Wednesday. Vanderbilt, Missouri, before that, was canceled Ellis, or, um, sorry, Cincinnati and Tulsa just got the axe this morning on Thursday. A team like Baylor has like 40 guys who caught it, and they're on the risk of even playing, ever playing again this season. It's just a complete mess right now, and next week we have other leagues starting back up, so it's going to be wild to try and stay on top of all this stuff. Kentucky was a big winner for us last week in the one SEC game that did go under the total. Uh, this week, they traveled to Tennessee as six-point dogs, and I do lean their way on the spread, but would need a plus-seven flat to show before getting involved in that one, which may well happen. I'm, I'm seeing some spots start to move in that direction. And this week, 
it's it's proof that we bet numbers, not teams here on the Doggy Juice Pod. And one play that I have locked up is Mississippi State catching seven points at home against Texas A&M. And if you listen last week, one of the podcast plays was Texas A&M catching the points at home against Florida, and A&M won outright. And then we were against Mike Leach and Mississippi State on the road, obviously against Kentucky for our favorite play of the week on the Doggy Juice Pod. And Kentucky won that game 24-2. Mississippi State got a safety and did the score on offense. They threw six picks. But now this week... At plus seven, I backed the team that I was fading last week and against the team I was on last week. I backed Mississippi State against Texas A&M, and it's crazy how narratives work. Just a few short weeks ago, everyone was praising Leach and K.J. Costello after they upset LSU outright, which doesn't look as good now after LSU's performance against Missouri last week. But And now the sky's falling down just a couple weeks later down at Mississippi State. My advice to you is don't pay attention to the noise and the narratives as much, especially when it's media-driven, because the public remembers what they saw last, and that could help be reflected in the market. And Mississippi State, they're not they're off back-to-back losses, while A&M is coming off a big emotional win and a statement win for Jimbo Fisher, and it's a prime letdown spot for Texas A&M. And per college football handicapper Paul Stone, A&M is just 7-15 and against the spread off an SEC win when their next opponent is also an SEC team. So something to keep in mind. Um, the line has moved down to 5 now, which is closer to where I have it, so not much value there now. So obviously it's a play that, you know, I, I know, I know. It's a play that I got earlier in the week and you can't get to now, but pay attention to that number if it, if it ticks back up, which is possible than uh, Mississippi State, all things equal, aside from an injury or injury to multiple players. or um, Mississippi State catching a full touchdown is great value on the card this week. <laughs> Alabama is laying four, four and a half now against Georgia in your marquee matchup of the day Saturday and really of the season because these are two of the best three teams in the nation along with Clemson. Now, this line did move down to four, even as low as three and a half at some spots on the news that Nick Saban uh, caught COVID earlier in the week. He's not going to be coaching the game, obviously, due to that. But it's that's a crazy move just for Nick Saban, just a coach being out there. Definitely an overreaction, I believe. But Georgia's an excellent team. Despite that, Saban, he's 21-0 against former assistants, and he's terrific at the start of the year. Obviously, he's not going to be physically there, but he's definitely going to be, even said, he's, he's working from home on the game. So I don't think he's showing many symptoms due to COVID. So you know he's preparing fully for this game. Uh, Bama hasn't been this low of a home favorite in a very long time, and this line is pretty much right in the sweet spot for me. So no pregame bet for me. I'd lay the three. I'd lay three with Bama at minus three, minus 110, and I'd look Georgia's way north of a touchdown, catching over a touchdown. So it appears I'm going to be on the sidelines on this one pre-flop from a side perspective. But totals-wise, though, if you can stomach it, I do show a little bit of value on the under at uh, 56 and a half or better, really 56 or better for that one, but a little bit of value on the under in that one. It's going to be interesting to see where the line goes. I wouldn't be in a huge rush to bet it, maybe lock in a little bit right now, but this this could tick up a little bit higher as the weekend approaches. And then in terms of plays with great line value on Thursday, as I record this, Pittsburgh plus 14 at Miami, Florida is a game that screams value on my numbers. It's a big, on top of that, when you look at the intangibles, it's a big there was a big bet get-up game for Miami last week against Clemson. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, they lost their their last two games by one point. But this line has moved up due to the uncertainty surrounding Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett. 
who was banged up at the end of their game last week. There were some reports this morning on Thursday that Pickett was upgraded to probable, but via Arpel, Joe Rogers, a source of his, is saying not so fast on that, and it's very possible that Pickett will be out this week. That uncertainty is obviously a factor in this line right now with Pickett in and healthy, plus 14 with Pitt, and that strong defense is insane value for me. Um, but with Pickett playing at less than 100%, but still playing, which is what I'm supposed to assume right now, um, there's still it's a really nice play catching 14 with Pitt. But this is definitely a situation to monitor with the quarterback position, for sure. But plus 14 on Pitt with Pickett in the game is, is a really strong play, I think. And speaking of monitoring, if you aren't monitoring the Dimers.com website on the regular right now, then you are missing out. That quick pick section on Dimers is such an excellent resource to use to help you try to uncover edges in the marketplace, and I cannot recommend it enough. Like I said last week, this feature on Dimers really helps drive home the idea that there are no guaranteed winners in sports betting, but some edges are greater than others, and making plays with a higher edge gives you a greater chance to be profitable in the long term. All right, time to move on to NFL Week 6. We've seen a pretty crazy scheduling domino effect. The Dolphins and the Jets weren't even supposed to play this week, and the Chargers are now on bye, and they really had no impact at all, or no COVID impact the Chargers. So uh, I'm not going to bore you with the details on the butterfly effect with the NFL schedule, but you can you can definitely read up on that. COVID is obviously having its impact this week already on week six, more than it already has before the week started. Just this morning on Thursday, the news about the Falcons came out that they um, have some COVID issues and that way that may well impact the Vikings-Falcons game this weekend. It's just the world we're living in right now, and we do the best we can to adjust accordingly as handicappers. The Browns got it done for us last week, beating the Colts outright at home and moving their record to 4-1 and one on the season, and then the Raiders won outright on the road in Kansas City. The Chiefs lost by 8 last week, so Patrick Mahomes still has yet to lose by more than one score in his career. Of course, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast. Um, our totals did not do very well in the pod last week at all. Totals in general went 7-7 seven and seven last week over-under, so the notion of a pendulum swing, so to speak, I think may well be in play here. The scoring itself didn't really go down, but the market appears to have caught up to the overs that we saw hitting left and right early on in the season. We've had some pretty crazy line moves already, this week, and as usual, those who were able to lock in some favorable prices early on are sitting pretty heading into the weekend. And before we move on to the official Doggy Juice Pod NFL Week 6 plays, we have a challenge to address, ladies and gentlemen. The pizza bet between the Danimal and the Sage. Each picked one side, one total, and one six-point teaser. The loser will have to send the winner a very nice pizza. So the terms of that have been agreed upon between these two guys, so we are ready to go. So first I'll cut to the Danimal, who also has his regular Danimal NFL picks for you guys this week as well, and then I'll move over to the Sage. Here it is. All right, Danimal's back, and obviously we have our special challenge that we're going to address, but um, we've got some picks, just your normal picks that we're going to get out of the way first, and then you can do your, your three picks for the challenge. How you doing, Danimal? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um no NFL tonight is kind of weird, um, but I feel like you wake up every weekend. There's some COVID team getting crushed, so 
we're still alive, but um, every week I just get very confused for my dumb brain on who's playing when. Would, would you rather have a Monday-Tuesday game every week and, and the Tuesday instead of the Thursday? Are you in the camp of, of missing a Thursday game tonight? I'd rather Thursday, but I would trade Thursday for like doubleheader Monday nights. Um, the Tuesday was just weird to me. Not that it stunk or anything. It just felt like the week's over on Monday, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely like threw everything for a loop for everybody, even like fantasy football. Obviously, you had one day later, the waivers were clearing. It just kind of threw everybody's football clock off a little bit. But it's just the year of COVID, man. That's what we're going to have to do. So anyway, what do you uh, what do you got for us for your picks before the the Danimal Sage Challenge? Yeah, this week I got four just spreads, no totals. Totals have been kicked me in the butt last week. Um, all favorites, don't care. I like them. Um, Steelers minus three. They are home against the Browns. Browns are hot, but I just think Steelers shut down that run game. I don't think the Browns have ever beaten Pittsburgh on the road, and I know. It's a little different during COVID, but since Tomlin's been there, I think they're like 13 or 15 and 0 at home against the Browns. So Steelers minus three Panthers, I think it's minus one and a half minus one right now against the bears. I think we'll grade I you think, minus one. We'll grade you what minus is it one. now? Yeah, I'm seeing both, but you could, we'll grade you minus one here. Perfect. I sure. think the bears stink. I'm going to keep fading the bears. Um, Carolina is a little hot, so maybe a little public favor there. But again, I just, I can't bet on the Bears, so I'm going to bet against them with Carolina. Vikings, minus four. Falcons stink. I know I hate Dan Quinn, and he's finally gone, but I don't see what gets anything going on that team. Matt Ryan is awful. Minnesota impressed me. I know they blew it against Seattle, but Minnesota impressed me a lot last week. So even though Cook's probably going to be out, I thought uh, Madison looks good enough for sure. So – I'll give four points, Minnesota at home. Last one, Baltimore, I think it's seven and a half against Philly. I know it's on the road. Again, I don't think home and away matters as much, but I'm just more surprised that I took Pittsburgh last week against Baltimore giving, sorry, against Philadelphia giving a touchdown. Lucky cover, but still they were dominating Philly. So why not take Baltimore giving a touchdown to Philly? Um, I think Baltimore's figured the defense out a little bit. And I just think Philly stinks. So I'll take Baltimore minus seven and a half. Right on. Nice. All right. So that's your four pack for the week for the Danimal pod plays. But now obviously we have our, our one-off challenge, you and the Sage. We're going to hear his picks here on the podcast after you give out yours. You guys are talking to me separately about you know, giving me your lines. I'm double checking. They're available. We've decided to use DraftKings as the, as, as the book we're going off here. So these are, the consensus lines at DraftKings as of uh, early afternoon, late morning on Thursday. Uh, but yeah, so let's hear. We got we got one side, one total, and one teaser. Yep, for the side, I'll go with um, Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh minus three is my side total. I'll take San Fran Rams over fifty-one and a half. San Fran's a disaster, um, but I think they'll put up some points. And then the teaser. I'll tease the Cowboys up to seven and a half and the Colts down to one and a half. Right on. I love it. Stanford Blanc teaser. I'm on that one myself too. So hope you catch that. Uh, and we'll hear with Sage's picks in a bit. Good luck on the challenge this week, man. We'll, uh, we will see where things fell on the pod next week. Appreciate it. I'll catch everybody next week. All right, man. See ya. All right. He's back quickly after being the featured guest on the podcast last week. How you doing Sage? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me back. 
All right, so let's cut right to it. We just heard the Danimal picks on the podcast. We've got one side, one total, and one teaser. What do you got? All righty. For the side, I'm taking the Chiefs coming off a loss at minus three and a half at Buffalo. Um, really like them in that spot. For my over, I'm actually going to take the Ravens-Eagles over 47 and a half. And then for my six-point teaser, I'm taking the Bucks from plus one to plus seven. And then I'm taking the Niners uh, from plus three to plus nine at home against the NFC East champions, the Saint or the Los Angeles Rams. Excellent, good stuff, man. So yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Obviously, you have to re- stop recording here. What Danimal's picks are, but now we got it. Everybody can hear it, and now we just wait on bated breath to see who's going to be sending the pizza to the other guy. All right, dude. Enjoy, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy watching the games and. Uh, We will hear back from you soon. Thanks, brother. Dan, looking forward to that pizza. I appreciate it, man. (laughs) See you later, dude. All right. Thank you to the Danimal and the Sage. Honestly, the creative juices are flowing, and I'm toying with the idea of opening up more similar dinner bats or pizza bats to be settled between friends here on the Doggy Juice Pod or something like that. There's something there. I can feel it. All right, time to move on to the official NFL Week 6 Doggy Juice Pod Plays. Home Dogs is the name of the game this week, ladies and gentlemen. Naturally, the line has moved a bit, a little shade on some of these, but be on the lookout for more favorable numbers as the weekend approaches. And as always, be sure to shop around for the best available price out there in the market. So two games really stand out where... This week's line is wildly off last week's look-ahead line. I'm on the home dog in both of those games. The first one, the Buccaneers, I got plus two and a half, and the money line at a plus price. That line's now consensus plus one, although I do see a couple plus one and a halves out there on Thursday as I record this. But this line was Bucks minus three, minus two and a half, just a week and a half ago. And what really changed? Obviously, we know Brady and the Bucks lost to the Bears, but a deeper dive into the stats, not even that deep of a dive into the stats, shows that that game uh, uh, maybe played out a little bit differently than most people expect. And there's also the fact that there was a pretty major penalty that was borderline that could have changed the entire complexion of the game. And it's funny how narratives can really shift on just one or two plays. And it also doesn't help that uh, certain someone forgot whether or not it was fourth or fifth down. But the narrative kind of takes hold. And obviously the Packers, they've been one of the strongest public teams to start the season. And they're coming off their bye week. But obviously the Bucks are rested as well. They played on, on Thursday night. And now they're heading back to Florida. They're back in Florida where they're more comfortable. And the Packers are heading down to Florida after their bye week where, in theory, they're a little less comfortable in that hotter, more humid weather. Um, another thing to pay attention to is Brady might be getting Chris Godwin back this week, which would give him more of his full complement of offensive weapons to work with. Something to pay attention to, although the Packers should be getting Devontae Adams back as well, so it's kind of a wash a bit in that standpoint. But I do lean over in that one too, so the Buccaneers team total over is also a good way to look heading into Sunday. And then the other game where there was a big line move on the look-ahead line is the 49ers. Could have caught plus three and a half on them earlier this week. Plus three with very little vigorish is, is available right now as I record this on Thursday against division the division rival Rams at home on Sunday. This one got up to, like I said, plus three and a half earlier in the week, which is where I got most of my position, but also the money line at around plus 160. But 
I know that uh, I'm, I'm seeing some plus 150s out there right now as well, and I know Joe Rogers touched on this earlier in my interview with him, but this was minus 349ers on the look ahead just last week, and what really changed? Obviously, the Rams looked really good beating Washington last week, and the Niners got blown out at home against the Dolphins, but a six to six and a half point line move in one week outside of a major quarterback injury, which is obviously not present here, is insane. It's absolutely crazy in the NFL. And add in the fact that the Rams have been doing a whole lot of traveling back and forth to the East and West Coast, and the Niners have had more time to not travel and be at home and get ready for this one. Uh, The situation where I'll I'll gladly take the three points with either side here, I I make the line closer to a pick so I will gladly take plus three, I'll uh, take the field goal and the field goal plus the hook with the home dog here and obviously the money line at a nice plus price as well. Another one, and this one did, did have a crazier look ahead line, but the Lions shifted because of an injury to a player, a very important quarterback named Dak Prescott. I hope he gets better. By the way, that was very painful to watch and nothing but the best uh, to Dak. But the Cowboys as well, catching a point and a half at home against the Cardinals, I agree with Joe Rogers here too. The move against Dallas in the market with the quarterback downgrade to Dalton was just too much. I actually have the downgrade a little over three points myself. I know Joe said two and a half, but we seem to be pretty similar in that regard. Um, but the Cowboys still very talented on offense. They take on an Arizona team that has not only logged a boatload of travel miles, but also brings in one of the league's worst DVOAs on defense. I think the Cowboys will have no problem moving the ball in this one. I still think they should be the slight favorites here, even with the DAC downgrade. I gobbled up plus two and a half earlier in the week, but love this one at Cowboys plus one or better, which is still out there, and of course the money line as well. But they're also an excellent teaser candidate on the NFL Week 6 card, which I'm about to get to shortly. And then Browns and Steelers is one of the more entertaining games of the week with two teams who I have preseason futures on, season win totals, etc. Even though they're both in the same division. Uh, Sharp Money came in on the Browns to start the week. I was able to snag Browns plus four and a half at FanDuel on Monday morning. That line has moved now and, and Steelers minus three showed at Fan or sorry at DraftKings for a bit earlier. I'm not sure about FanDuel, uh, which is obviously minus three Steelers is a Danimal play for the Danimal Sage Challenge. Um, and that's closer to where I think it should be. My ratings have Pittsburgh just a tick over a point better than the Browns. So factory and home field gets me to just over two and a half, which made four and a half with the Browns on the other side of the important key number of three, an easy take for me at the beginning of the week. But I do worry a bit about Baker Mayfield getting x-rays at the end of last week's game, and now Odell Beckham was listed as questionable this morning in that one, so I only lean the Browns catching plus three and a half there. And if you could find the Lions at minus three, laying minus 115 or less, I do think there's a bit of value there. I locked in the Lions at minus three flat at the start of the week. The Lions offense off the bye should run circles around the Jags. And it'll be tough for Jacksonville just to keep up, I think, on offense in that one on Sunday. But at three and a half, it's only a lean. I would need to see three flat again to get involved for a smaller position and two and a half for something more serious. And then in terms of the hometown Bears, they were sitting at plus three on DraftKings on Sunday night. And if you bet them then, you, you were rewarded with a line move during the week that now sees the Bears as one to one and a half point road dogs. Looks like it's settling out at one. I'm even seeing some pick'ems that start to show. 
Um, road dogs at Carolina, the Bears are. I did lock up some of that plus three. I agree with the line move this week. It's now closer to where I have it. The market has been very sharp on the Bears. Despite being 4-1, and one, we have to acknowledge their good fortune this season. I still have them on the cusp of the bottom third in the league on the official Doggy Juice ratings. They could easily be 0-5, reasonably 1-4, and 4, but the bounces of the ball, specifically, specifically at the end of the games, some of their games has gone their way completely, and, and many events have had to happen for the Bears to get this fortunate so far this season. And the Panthers, they're a lot like the Bears so far this season, outperforming early market expectations. But with limited home field advantage, these teams are very close to even. So it's a spot where I will gladly scoop up plus three with either side. And as such, um, at the current line, I, I show nothing, but the Bears do fit on this week's teaser board. There are lots of teaser options on the NFL betting board this week. And remember that books are really, really trying to guard against um, the classic Stanford Wong tease through the key numbers of three and seven model. I've been over this a lot of times in the past, but they're trying to protect against it by sometimes offering a different line, a different VIG. Like, for example, minus nine and a half at plus 105, effectively preventing you from teasing through the seven and the three on a two team six point teaser. And they'll even offer different vigorish on the teasers themselves. I know FanDuel is offering minus 130 on a two-team six-point teaser, which effectively takes away most of the mathematical edge, if not all, every single time that we have as betters on these. So if you do have a book that's allowing you to get at it at minus 110 on these two-team six-point teasers, cherish it, even minus 115. I tell people anything minus 120 or better is, is still fine, but anything over that, and you're really just giving away your edge to the books on these but we do have a lot of teams that fit our model of teasing through the three and the seven in either direction on the spread and a two-team teaser starting with the hometown chicago bears could have got them up to plus eight and a half earlier in the week but you could still get them up to plus seven and a half against the carolina panthers on the road this week the ravens you can get them down to minus one and a half at philly I actually lean the Eagles, the home dog here, catching the touchdown and the hook. Um, I'm pretty worried about Lamar Jackson injury stuff not being, or the the Baltimore not really wanting to release the full extent of of what Lamar Jackson's health is right now. Um, and I know the Dimers bot over at Dimers.com has a huge edge, showing a massive edge on this game on on Philly, a 12% edge to be exact. And you don't find edges that big in sports betting or in the NFL very often, ladies and gentlemen. So the Doggy Juice Pop model does lean that way as well. So teasing the Ravens down to minus one and a half isn't something I'm going to be looking to do. It's not as strong of a play for me this week, but if you do end up doing it, you're effectively just pretty much asking the Ravens to win the game outright. The Colts down to minus one and a half against the Bengals, in my opinion, is an excellent teaser leg this week. The Patriots were there earlier in the week. You could have teased them down to two and a half. Minus two and a half against the Broncos, but that lines up to a consensus nine and a half now, so it doesn't fit the model anymore. But if the Patriots do get down to lower than or minus minus eight and a half or better, then that's definitely a good look. Washington football team is now there. They're at plus two and a half. You can tease them up to eight and a half visiting the Giants. This line actually came down from three and a half earlier in the week, but in a game with fewer projected points in the low forties, this totals at. Um, numbers or the respective value of each point is magnified in this one. So that's definitely a good look, especially in an interdivision matchup like that one. 
The Dolphins down to minus two versus the Jets was one of my favorite teaser plays, teaser legs this week that I've got locked in, but that line's jumped up after the Levy on Bell news. It actually got as high as, as 10, I saw. I think it's settling out at nine and a half now on Thursday. So that's something I can't recommend anymore, unfortunately. Um, and then the, I mean, I can't even include that as my, in, as part of my teaser of the week, unfortunately, this week. But definitely pay attention to that if it comes down uh, the Dolphins are, are worth a look there as well. The Buccaneers up to plus seven and a half. I've touched on this one against the Packers, but you can tease them up through the three and the seven at home, effectively ask them to keep the game within a touchdown against the Packers at home this week. And then finally, the same goes with the Cowboys on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. You could tease them up from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half, ask them to keep it within one score, effectively at home against the Cardinals. Um, I did a plus eight and a half, but the just like with, along with the Bucks too. But getting them through the three and the seven to plus seven and a half is a great look. And this week for the teaser of the week, I really love three teaser legs that I've touched on on here: the Colts to minus one and a half, and the Bucks and the Cowboys up to plus seven and a half right now with the prevailing numbers out there. But what I really recommend is, is keying all three of those. But for the official Doggy Juice podcast teaser of the week, let's call it the Colts to minus one and a half. And the Buccaneers up to plus seven and a half. We're we're three and one on those with the official podcast teasers of the week this year so far after passing one of the weeks. So let's keep the train moving on those, baby. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. I'll be back next week with a very exciting guest I have lined up. As many of you know, I attribute so much of what I know and what I've learned over the years to the late, great David Malinsky, who I believe is the greatest sports handicapper of all time, and more importantly, an incredible human being who touched so many lives before his untimely death just one month before PASPA was repealed by the Supreme Court. And my guest next week knew Dave very well and even worked with him on their own sports betting podcasts. So if you want analytical insight you really just can't find anywhere else out there, then I highly recommend that you tune in next week. I'm really looking forward to that one. And then I have another special surprise for all of you on next week's pod, and I'm not going to give you any hints right now about what that is. You'll just have to tune in to find out. All right, good luck with your bets this weekend, and good luck to the Danimal and the Sage on their pizza challenge. I'll talk to you all next week. Doggy Juice out.